All right, it is six o'clock, and that means another episode of Coffee with Craner, episode 73. I'm here today with the play-by-play legend, Joe Bowen. He's from Sudbury, but if you're watching in Windsor-Essex, he did go to the University of Windsor, and I'm so glad to have him on the show today. Uh, if you're watching, he attended the University of Windsor, uh, the communication program. He first, he actually first started his broadcasting chops at CJM FM, which is still around today and remains an important radio station at the University of Windsor and across the community. Um, but there's so much we're going to talk about tonight and really uh, talk about a CV and, and broadcasting. I mean, there's there's so many uh, accomplishments Joe's had under his belt. And just to name a few, uh, over 3,000 Leafs games that he's he's called. Um, and I imagine that number is way higher now. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to, to jump into this conversation, Joe, and learn all about broadcasting and specifically in hockey. Well, I'm looking forward to it as well. Thanks for having me on, Lyndon. It's um, uh, been a while since I've been at the University of Windsor. I'm uh, approaching 40 seasons of doing the Leaf Games. So uh, that's been a few years ago. The university has changed and a lot of the people I'm sure have changed down there as well. Yes, yes. So Joe, when you reflecting back at your time at the University of Windsor, was there a place that, because the show's all about coffee, of coffee with Craner. Was there a place at the University of Windsor where you grabbed coffee or tea? Yeah, it was called the Dominion House Tavern, and I had Irish coffee at night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I grew when when we got down there. My residence was Huron Hall, and it was uh, just kitty corner across the street from the football stadium, and right next door to McDonald's. And when I left there after uh, four years or three years. Uh, they changed the sign on the McDonald's from million serve to billion serve because uh, it was the late night. I need some grease in my stomach spot. And it was the early morning, grab a coffee and, and head off to class as well. So uh, it was a very unique residence. It used to be a motel. It had two floors. It had sliding glass windows for each uh, room. Uh, you each had your own washroom and a big, uh, a big double bed. And uh, I was a, a resident there for uh, two years. And then I was a prefect for the third year when they finally turned it into a co-ed uh, residence because with the sliding glass doors, it was pretty tough not to be co-ed most weekends. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine some parties went on in your day, but things you, you probably don't want to mention. Well, hey, you know what? That, I, I have a son, David, who's at university up at Laurentian. And I, I say to him, you know, you got to learn to live on your own. And for good or for bad, wherever you happen to be, whatever, whether it's a residence or you've got three buddies piled into some, uh, you know, a rental, um, you got to fend for yourself. You've got to learn that, that uh, mom and dad aren't there to kind of clean up and uh, open the wallet and give you a couple of bucks every day or something. you got to look after yourself. So that was all part and parcel of it. And it was life's uh, lessons. Uh, I think sometimes uh, university teaches you more life lessons than actually scholarly lessons. But uh, it was a lot of fun. And I enjoy Windsor. I enjoy the people down there. I have some uh, very, very dear friends who are uh, from Windsor, Essex. That's fantastic. And I can't wait till you come back here and maybe you can, uh, you can announce some some OHL local OHL game in the uh, in the area. <laughs> well, that would be fun. I, I, the old Windsor Arena was an interesting spot. I remember the uh, the very first year that they came into the league, 
uh, or came back into the league, I guess, because they had played in the OHL years prior, prior, but they were doing some renovating for the arena. And so their first five, six, eight games were on the road. One of them was in Sudbury. And the Wolves that I was doing the games for at the time, we had a really good team with Ron Duguay and Ron, uh, Randy Carlisle, Dave Farish, uh, Don Beaupre in goal. And Windsor was an expansion team. And we demolished them the first game. It was like 13 to 2. So wow. we come down and we're opening the Windsor Arena. It's the very first game back. And it's the high-flying Sudbury Wolves come in. And we get up something like, I think it was 6 nothing in the first period. And um, uh, the backup goaltender, not uh, Donnie Beaupre, is playing. And he's playing goal. And uh, our coach, Jerry Tabazzini, says, you know, this is going to be kind of a, a no-brainer. So, Ronnie, take your stuff off. And Randy, you know, we, uh, we, we're not going to play the, the last two periods. Well, at the end of the second period, it was 6-5. And at the end, into the third period, with about five minutes left, it's 11-11. And we make a goalie change and put in the first string goalie, Don Beaupre, and he gives up the winning goal, and we lose. And so it was quite an opening, and it was a game to remember. And uh, the backup goaltender, Eric Niskanen, says, hey, I didn't lose, which he didn't. <laughs> well, you, see, that's why you don't mess with the spits. That's, that's, that's right. all I'm saying. <laughs> statistics, are, statistics are for losers. <laughs> so, so Joe, talk to me. How did you you get involved in, in sports commentating it, and really, I guess, know that you wanted to go and specifically into hockey and focus on that on that type of sport? Well, my my dad passed away when I was just going into high school, and he was a goaltender. I'm still a goaltender, trying to hopefully play in the NHL, but no one has ever knocked on my door and said, yeah, you're the guy. And it was pretty obvious I wasn't going to replace Johnny Bauer back in the 60s when I was starting to go to, uh, to high school. And I thought about doing something like play-by-play -play or being in broadcasting. And my dad, who was a general physician in Sudbury, uh, who had passed away, had wanted me to get a university education. Ryerson was the only college at the time, and that was well beneath anybody. I mean, you mm -hmm. didn't go to college unless you were just stupid, and you needed a university degree. Well, uh, throughout Ontario, Windsor was the only university that offered communication arts, which was sort of in the direction that I wanted to go. And so I came to Windsor and took that and got very much involved in the student radio station, and uh, fortunately, got to broadcast a lot of basketball games uh, okay. with Dr. Paul Thomas's team. Um, uh, DJ Smith's dad, Dennis, was on that team. Uh, Dominic Moore's dad, Jack, who I know and play hockey with here in Toronto uh, over the years, uh, was on that team. Uh, Chris Wydrinski, Sandy Salvador, some names that maybe people my age would remember. Um, but we, they were a very successful basketball program and went to the national championships and I got to do a lot of their games. And so I sort of cut my teeth on basketball. And then in my last year, we did some football and we also did some hockey, but not a lot. Uh, but uh, when I got back to Sudbury, I got the opportunity to uh, broadcast the Sudbury Wolves. That's yeah. I mean, talk about a, a good experience. Um, I don't know if at the time, do you think there were other radio stations available at universities that gave you that, that ability? 
you know, I ran, well, I ran into a lot of, because we did road games then too. We had to bring a telephone and kind of plug into the thing. It was a really strange way of doing it in comparison to the intranet now, which we didn't <laughs> have. Um, so we, you ran into other people that were, that had student radio stations and whatnot and were, and were doing the games as well. Um, but it was a really great opportunity for me. I mean, you could do whatever you wanted pretty much at the radio station. They were looking to fill 24 hours a day if they could. And if you were willing to do it, then you could do what you wanted, whether it was uh, hosting a jazz show or uh, uh, I know doing news or doing special events or something like that. So it was interesting. It was a wide open kind of spectrum that allowed it. And sports was able to fill a lot of it. Now, we didn't have an awful lot of listenership. It was piped into most of the, the residences. I'm not sure if anybody with an actual radio could listen to us, but it was an opportunity to, to cut your teeth. Yep, yep. Mistakes could happen, and if nobody's listening, then you're you're okay, right? Well, save the job a few times, yeah. <laughs> so during your time at uh, CJMFM, moving on to uh, working with the Sudbury Wolves, as your uh, your first one of your first jobs in radio, um, and, and now in the uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs, was were there anybody that you really look up to as as a, a young announcer that that really helped guide you throughout this process? Well, obviously, in in the position that I have, I mean, Foster Hewitt was the very first uh, to do play by play, uh, and and you obviously listened to him. And his son Bill uh, was on the television during those years. Danny Gallivan, I always thought was the best I'd ever heard, but I hated him because he was with the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and uh, but when I got to meet Danny, what an absolute wonderful man he was, and and just a tremendous uh, person. But I've often said that um, of all of the people that I've uh, listened to or watched or uh, been associated with, Danny Gallivan is still at the very top of the list. And the rest of us are struggling down below to find a niche somewhere. So uh, I think those were two. But there were other broadcasters like Ray Scott in in um, uh, in the states, uh, and uh, and uh, Bob Prince, who was the the, the voice of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. But in Sudbury, we could get sta uh, stations that would pound up there if they were a five hundred thousand watt station or a hundred thousand watt station you could listen to them at night on a transistor radio. So you were able to kind of eavesdrop in on some uh, broadcasts and, and uh, you kind of enjoyed what you heard and, and maybe stole a few things of what you uh, trying to mold what you were trying to do. Very cool. And I just wanted, because we're on the topic of the broadcasters you, you uh, looked up to growing up, we had a question come in from Bird Bouchard. Uh, it says, fantastic interview. Which broadcasters do you enjoy listening or watching today? I know you're very busy, so. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I, I, I enjoy uh, I enjoy all of them. I mean, uh, Rick Jenneret in Buffalo is a dear friend, and, and I really enjoy him. Bob Cole was uh, obviously outstanding and, and somebody that I looked up to as well. Um, I got, I've gotten to work with some great broadcasters like Harry Neal and uh, Jimmy Ralph, who works with me now, Bill Waters. I worked with Scotty Bowman for a little bit when he was uh, doing some color uh, as far as television is concerned. Um, I mean, there are so many now, and all of the teams have great broadcasters. They really do. And it's it's a difficult thing to get in. I have a, 
young boy, 21 years of age, as I said, up at Laurentian taking the sports administration program. And he's starting to dabble his feet in it a little bit with uh, opportunities with things that I never even dreamt of having uh, when I was uh, just cutting my teeth. Uh, there's a, a, an app now called Hockey TV that literally yep. broadcasts all kinds of games. And so David, my son, is doing a game between the U16 and the U18 Sudbury Nickel Capital Wolves. And okay. I mean, there's there's no chance that those games, I mean, I played in those yeah. games, but no one was going to broadcast them. So um, <laughs> that, that opportunity now to cut your teeth and change what you need to change and be your own critic and try to improve, boy, what a great venue and what a great opportunity that is. It is, it is. And, I, and, and down in Windsor, we... We recently have uh, hockey TV at, at at the arenas and watching Junior C or or Junior B. You have that ability, right? Watching yeah. from home. And you, and you know what? And I, my son played in the junior league up there, and I was able to watch his games. And so he was going to New Liskard and Timmins and North Bay and Sault Ste. Marie and Espanola yep. and Blind River. And and you you could sense that there were hey boy. Those guys have got it going. They're they're doing a real good job. And then then you got someone else who sounded like they spent most of the afternoon in the pub before they got on. So yeah. there, there's a, there's a, a large spectrum of people out there. But it it is giving people an opportunity to see, hey, you know what? I can do this. And can I can I improve enough to make it pay? Well, that's that yet to be seen. So just going back to announcers that you look up to, listen to today, um, but growing up, what did you take from, from the way they were broadcasting that like, was there, was there certain skills or tricks that they had that you really tried to, to transfer over into what you're doing now? It's really funny, you know, because anybody that does it, especially, let's just take the National Hockey League broadcast. I've never seen anyone that does it the same way. Some have yeah. great memories, and so they don't need a cheat sheet or something like this. I need the cheat sheet. I, it's sort of like I, I, Danny Gallivan used to do games because he and he had to hold the microphone. Well, as things progressed, they put a headset and a mic on him. But Danny felt uncomfortable unless he had this microphone in his hand. Well, the mic wasn't even plugged in, but he had to have this in his hand. <laughs> yeah. And, and so everybody does it different. Everybody prepares differently. Everybody has a different style. Um, there are obviously broadcasters who are national broadcasters who are have to be very impartial. There are broadcasters who are regional broadcasters or home team broadcasters who can be a little more emphatic for the home team, I suppose. And I guess that's where uh, I kind of find a, a little bit of a niche. But everybody does it differently, and there's no right, there's no wrong. It's something where you're comfortable with and how you do it, and uh, it, it goes right down to the pieces of paper and the books and the whatever you keep your stats in. Everybody, no one, I've never seen two people have the exact same kind of a layout. So uh, it's it is interesting. I, I know. Uh, growing up uh, early on in my career, there were advertisements in sporting news and various other things where you could get this very nice pad that was all uh, done out as far as hockey is concerned. And there's your stats. So you fill it in here and everything else. And I sent away for a bunch of those things. I finally ended up making my own book. 
And that's yeah. what I use now. And I just get it produced and, and fill it in on each game by hand. Uh, and not, I don't, uh, haven't got the, the computer thing to work out that figure yet, but everybody does it a little bit differently. And you still keep those 3,000 sheets? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got them all. Yeah. I've got, I've got all of these books for years and years. I guess my kids will have a garage sale when I die and they can uh, sell them off or something. I don't think they're worth anything, but who knows? <laughs> now, uh, Joe, just uh, moving into some some leaf specifics, uh, what was, uh, are you able to say, I, I know, I, I think I saw in a, an interview you did is you, you're not sure what has been your, your, your favorite play to announce, but has there been a, a most memorable game for you that you've been able to cover? Oh boy. I, I think the most memorable team uh, was the Pat Quinn team uh, that ended up with uh, the bless you boys call that I made in Ottawa. Um, it was a gritty, gritty bunch that had Alex McGillney and Matt Sundin as the talented people, but Gary Roberts and Joey Newendike and Darcy Tucker and Shane Corson and uh, uh, Brian McCabe and, and, and Curtis Joseph. They were gritty, gritty guys that when they got into the heavy going, um, they paid the price. And Unfortunately, we ran into so many injuries that year that they weren't able to get past uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. But I think that's probably my favorite group. I think that this year's team is probably the most talented group I've ever been associated with. But we're going to find out if they have enough of the intestinal fortitude and uh, uh, whatnot to carry on in a postseason. You know, it's funny. Lyndon, because I've been talking Leaf fans off the ledge uh, since the demise against the Montreal Canadiens. And I, I, one of the things that I say is that mental toughness in a hockey team or in a group is something that can't be coached and it's something you can't learn in a textbook. And I don't care what kind of a mental process or teacher you have or professor. It has to be something that's stuffed down your throat. And the really, really good teams oft times have it done to them before they actually become successful. And I, I'm going to give you three examples. The New York Islanders with Trache and Bossy that went on to the four cups, which is recognized as maybe one of the greatest teams of all time. They lost to the Maple Leafs in overtime in game seven before they got going. Wayne Gretzky and the Oilers out West, one of the most exciting teams ever. They blew a third period big lead in the, uh, the meltdown and the miracle on Manchester Street to the Los Angeles Kings. Steven Stamkos and the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning more recently won the President's Trophy, best team in the league, and then got blown out in four straight by the Columbus Blue Jackets. So those teams have had that mental toughness stuffed down their throat, accepted it, learned from it, and then went on to bigger and better things. Now, did the Montreal Canadiens stuff some mental toughness down the Toronto Maple Leafs' throats last year? We'll wait and see what happens this time around. <laughs> well, I, I, I look forward to uh, the Leafs winning a cup before I, I'm, I'm six feet under. You're a Detroit Red Wing fan. <laughs> what do you care about? <laughs> I, I still think it would be nice. Last time was 67, right? Well, well you know what? We'll invite you to the parade. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. Honorary Leafs fan, just because they win. Go. Yeah, you'll have to stand <laughs> at the back. I've often said if the Leafs do win the Stanley Cup, the parade would have to start in Timmins. 
and then work its way down through Sudbury, through North Bay, down Highway 11, onto Young Street, and down into the Lake Ontario. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll be a it'll be a big parade for sure. Um, I I mentioned 20 minutes. I, I want to just do one last thing before we wrap up here, and I send you on your way. Can you give those watching a holy Mackinac? But before you do, before you do, I have to learn a as well but how did this how did this come come about where did you learn this catchphrase well, as i said my dad passed away when i was just going into high school and uh he was a, a huge hockey fan and a big maple leaf fan too uh and i'd be sitting on his lap and um johnny bauer would make a split save or something and my dad would blurt out holy mackinac what a great <laughs> save by johnny bauer and you know, I never thought anything about it. I suppose it was just a way of being um, excited without having to fire a deleted expletive out uh, for a young <laughs> set of ears sitting on his lap. And I, I never asked him where he got it from, so mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, but that's where I got it from. And I didn't use it in junior hockey. I didn't use it in three years in the American League out in Nova Scotia. And about five years into doing the Leafs, uh, we were in Chicago. Uh, at the old stadium and Bill Waters was doing color with me and Felix Potvin made a great save and I blurted out holy mackinac what a save by Felix and I probably would never have used it again but I looked over to my right and Bill Waters had fallen off his chair laughing <laughs> and I thought well if I'm going to get a reaction like that out of him because the whole idea of, of broadcasting to me is you have to have fun it's not World War Three. it's it's having fun yeah. And maybe maybe game seven is a little different uh, of the Stanley Cup final. I haven't reached that part yet, but uh, it's still fun. And and so I don't I don't force it. I don't try to say, OK, I got to get one of these. games. I haven't done one in a couple of games or whatever. And I went a whole season. I don't think I used it once because we were so bad. But um, every once in a while, it just seems that that's an appropriate call. So holy Mackinac, great, great shot by Austin Matthews and the Leafs score. That's fantastic. Well, it sounds like there's there's really a science behind how you how you're saying it. Uh, what would you? How do you define holy Mackinac? I don't know how you would define. It. <laughs> I I mean, you know, you know, like uh, I'm doing a game on uh, Saturday at uh, Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Oski wee wee, Oski wah wah, holy Mackinac, Tigers, eat them raw. That's their cheer. Then I get letters from people up at Mackinac Island saying there's a Mackinac up here too. And so I have no idea where it came from or what my dad did, but uh, that's where we'll, we'll do it. And I think out of, uh, out of, uh, you know, being in the, in the site of the, of the Hamilton Tiger Cats home, we'll have to get one in somehow in the game on Sunday. Well, if I, if I see that term in the dictionary, your name better be right next to it, Joe. A very ugly picture of me too. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna do it once, just for those watching. You got to tell me how how it goes, okay? Okay. <laughs> Austin Matthews in over the line. What a shot! Holy, Holy Mackinac! <laughs> there we go, Joe. Thanks so much. Thanks for uh, for watching. Those that tuned in, um, have a have a great weekend. And uh, Joe, thanks for making time for folks in Windsor. My pleasure, Lyndon. Say hi, everybody down there in Windsor, Essex. Will do. Thanks, everyone. We'll see. You